Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys. My uh, family and I, are uh, we uh, watch uh, the TV show Friday Night Lights. Now, my telling you that is not in any way an endorsement of the show, okay? because if you watch it, you may go, they watch this? So actually, I've just confessed to you something that we probably shouldn't be doing. But anyway, we watched this show, and it's about um, a high school uh, football team in Texas and the players and their coaches and their lives. Um, and Coach Taylor of the Dillon Panthers has this thing that he does with the team every uh, game before they go out on the field. He'll gather around in the locker room, and he says this to them every time. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. And they take the field. And I get chills just thinking about that because I'd love to be in that locker room and take the field with them, I guess. I think, though, that could be an appropriate rallying cry for the church. Clear eyes. We need to have eyes that see people and our world the way that God sees people. We need to be able to look at people and see them the way that God sees them. Clear eyes. Full hearts. We need to have hearts that are full of love and compassion. Hearts that are full of God's love for us and that love overflowing into our community. Can't lose. I don't know if you maybe have forgotten, but the outcome of history has already been decided. And God wins. And people who choose to make their lives fully devoted and fully committed to Him will win also. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose if we're fully committed and devoted to Him. I think that's an appropriate rallying cry for the church. Those uh, three things, I think, sort of rise out of that verse that they read in the video. And I want us to look at that for a few minutes this morning. And I want you to think to yourself, what do you see when you see people? I uh, traveled recently. I was in a couple of airports. And um, I just watched people. I was in the airport here and I watched this family of four, mom, dad, uh, son and daughter. And they had been on vacation down here, obviously, over Christmas and they were flying back. And so I watched them interacting before we got on the plane. And then I saw them when we got off the plane in Akron and immediately they began to complain about being back in the cold weather and how they were going to miss the sunshine and the sand. And I thought, I live there. I uh, sat next to a, a young lady on the flight from here, and uh, she's a student at uh, Kent University. That's all she really said over the whole flight. But I wondered, what's really going on in her life? Uh, on my flight from up there down here, I sat by a young man who's a medical student just a few weeks away from taking his boards and uh, anticipating his first job and everything that's involved in that. And I thought, I wonder what really is going on deep in his heart. What do you see when you see people? Well, listen again to Matthew chapter 9. Jesus has this encounter. Think about what He sees when He sees people. Matthew 9.35 says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, the fact that He had come to restore people's relationship with God, and healing every disease and sickness. When He saw the crowds, those are the clear eyes, because Jesus didn't just see a mass of people He didn't just see a crowd. He saw individual people who were hurting. It says He had compassion on them. There was His full heart. He saw these people and He had compassion for their place in life. 
because they were harassed and helpless. Or other words that could be translated there would be dejected or distressed, weary, troubled. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And sheep are really dumb animals. They need a shepherd. If they don't have a shepherd, someone to guide them, they're not likely to find food and water on their own and to have nourishment. And they have no protection against their enemies. Jesus says these people were like sheep without a shepherd. They needed a shepherd to come and protect them and guide them. Then He said this to His disciples, verse 37. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Now Jesus wasn't talking about a grain field that needed harvested. He was talking about a spiritual harvest. And He, as He looked at all these people, as He interacted with people day after day, He looked at all of them and said, so many of them are living far from God. And the harvest of people in restoring them to a relationship with God is plentiful. There are so many of them. Verse 38, Ask the Lord of the harvest, which would have been Jesus, therefore to send out workers into the harvest field. Now, I don't know why Jesus makes this choice, but He makes the choice that He's not going to harvest this this field, this spiritual field by Himself, He has invited us, people just like you and me, to join Him in helping to reap the harvest and helping the people who are living far from God to find their way back into a relationship with God. Picture if you were the owner of a, a large orange grove, maybe a hundred acres of oranges, and you... You know, pretty much oranges all seem to come ripe at the same time. And so imagine you stood there one day and you looked at this hundred acres of oranges, thousands of oranges that need to be harvested, and you were all by yourself and thought, you know what, I've got to take this on all by myself. Can you imagine? Almost impossible to do by yourself, isn't it? And when we look at the at people all around us today, you know, we may think, how can I make a difference? There's just so many people that need to be reached. Jesus said, you know what, you don't have to do it alone. We'll do it together. He's invited us to be part of the process. He's invited us just to make a difference in people's lives one life at a time until we've harvested. Clear eyes, full hearts, people who are fully dependent and leaning on God. We can make a difference. Well, as we turn the page of the calendar to a new year and as we approach our third anniversary here at Crosspoint in just a few weeks, I thought it would be valuable for us to spend a few minutes being reminded of what's really important to us and what it is that drives us here at Crosspoint. And I think these seven core values that we're going to look at today and be reminded of, these seven core values, when lived out in our lives and lived out as a church, help us to have clear hearts, clear eyes, full hearts, and an attitude of total dependence on God. Now, I have an apple here, obviously. And you know, an apple looks good on the outside. And you know that if you begin to eat this apple, there's a lot of good fruit right there. But have you ever thought about what's at the core of this apple? All that fruit looks good and tastes good, doesn't it? But it's what's at the very core of the apple that causes the apple to grow and to be healthy and to taste good. Today I want to kind of strip away all the exterior of the things you see around here at Crosspoint and talk about what's at our very core. What is it that drives us? What is it that makes us healthy? What is it that produces the fruit that we get to see happen in people's lives? That's those seven core values. Let's uh, jump in and talk about those and 
I'll leave this sitting here. You can look at it and think how hungry you are through the service. And actually, I cut one open last service, and it was very uh, unhealthy. And uh, but this one looks good. So let me just tempting to you at all? It's all over my hands. Here we go. Core value number one: the Bible is our authority for life. This book is truth, and this book is what guides everything that we do and everything that we are at Crosspoint. We are not interested in being or doing anything that is not described in this book. This book is true. You know, when Jesus came to earth, He spoke to the people of His day in a language that was very culturally relevant. He told stories that were drawn right out of their lives. And He took those stories right from their lives and He taught them truths, God's truth. He taught them actually a message that was very culturally irrelevant. Because He called them to a lifestyle that was very different from what their culture would have said they should do. A lifestyle, by the way, that was much better than what their culture taught them. So Jesus used a language that was culturally relevant to teach a message that seemed culturally irrelevant. And as a church, I think we're called to do the same thing. We are called to speak in a language that is culturally relevant to speak in a way that our culture can understand. And that's why we have worked so hard to create the environment that you see here on Sunday mornings. It's why we're committed to using media and the arts and music and a variety of different languages in a sense to speak to our culture in a way that we hope they can understand. But we are still communicating the same message that Jesus communicated. And at times today, this message can seem culturally irrelevant to people. Because again, it calls them to live a life that is so different at times from the lifestyle of our culture. But this message is truth. It's the truth of the Bible. So as a church, we are committed to communicating in a language that is culturally relevant, a message that at times seems culturally irrelevant. But it is all about communicating the truth. Listen to what Paul has to say about the value of the Bible for our lives. And this book is filled with amazing stories and incredible wisdom for our lives. And if you're not reading it regularly, you are robbing yourself. Listen to how Paul describes it. He was a leader in the early church. He writes this and it's recorded in the Bible. He says, every part of Scripture is God-breathed. Every part of Scripture came from the heart and the mind of God. Every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes. Not, not that any of us ever make mistakes, right? Correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. That's the value of the Bible. And it is valuable to us around here. Core value number two, life happens best in authentic community. Let's see if we can fix that real quick, Brent. Let me try taking this apart. I don't know if that will improve anything or not. Maybe. All right, maybe it bothers me more than it does you. Yeah, I'll take that. Value number two, life happens best in authentic community. Oh. You know what? Jesus modeled the value of relationships. Thanks. Jesus modeled the value of relationships 
throughout his lifetime. Certainly he interacted and spoke to the masses of people, thousands of people at a time. Yet he was relationally connected and invested in people individually. He was relationally connected to a small group of people. Jesus was relationally connected to a group of 12 guys, 12 disciples. And those 12 disciples he spent his life with. He, they ate together. They traveled together. Their lives were woven together. Jesus was committed to them. They experienced the ups and downs of life together. They did life together. And Jesus modeled for us the value of being relationally connected to a small group of people. And God demonstrates throughout the Bible the value and the importance of being relationally connected. We were created to be relational beings and to be connected to a small group of people where we can do life together. I like what Henry Cloud writes. He talks about how we are relational beings and that God created us relationally. Then he says this. He says the soul will not prosper without being relationally connected to people. I think that's the truth that the Bible talks about. That we will not grow spiritually. Our soul, the spiritual part of us, cannot grow and prosper without being connected in relationships. And around here at Crosspoint, we live that out through our life groups as the primary means. And we encourage people to be connected in a life group. And we have a variety of different kinds of life groups. We've learned over time that uh, one size doesn't fit all, one mold doesn't work for everybody. And so we're working at creating all kinds of different groups for different people so that all of us can find a place where we can be relationally connected. And they are a valuable part of what we do around here. There are tons of stories we could tell you this morning of how people have been impacted by being part of a life group and the things that have happened in their lives because of that. The way that they have been cared for when they came home from the hospital with a baby or the way that they've been helped financially by people in their life group. If you were here a few weeks ago, uh, Logan shared his story about uh, how he's having trouble with his hip and so he mentioned in his life group that it might be the first time he wasn't able to put up their Christmas lights for years and what happened a week later, two guys from his life group showed up, surprised to him and put up all of his Christmas lights. That's the kind of love and care that happens when you get connected relationally through a life group. And we're pretty honest around here about it. If you want to feel cared for and loved in this place, that's the primary way that it's going to happen. Core value number three. Grace, I'm sorry, core value number three. Pointing people to Jesus should be a daily habit. Pointing people to Jesus should be not just a once in a lifetime occurrence, not something that just happens occasionally, but it should be woven into the fabric of who we are as people. That we are always looking for opportunities to help people who are living far from God begin the process of having a relationship with God again. I want you to to listen to what Luke says about Jesus. It says of Jesus, the Son of Man came to find lost people and save them. That's why Jesus came. We just celebrated His arrival on earth, His birth at Christmas time. Do you know why He went through all of that? The primary motivation For Jesus to come to earth was to find people who were lost, to find people who were living far from God, and to save them, to help them once again have a relationship with God. And at Crosspoint, we are committed to living that out. That is part of our mission. That is the driving force of our mission. 
to help people who are living far from God, to connect people in a relationship with Jesus, and then to connect them in a community of Christ followers. And we are not interested in just doing church. And you've heard me say this before recently. I know it would be easy for us at this point in the history of our church to get really comfortable with what we've accomplished. And to kind of look around and go, you know, we've got a nice group of people who show up here on Sundays and we like hanging out together, we have fun. Let's just relax and enjoy it. Now, that's not our mission. That's not what we believe God called us to be about. We are committed and will always be committed to reaching people who are living far from God. It's not enough just to show up and do church. You know, we don't show up and do all of this just so we can do church. Every time you show up here and you set a speaker in place or you plug a wire in or you help set up in Kid Point or you hold a baby or teach a child or lead a life group or work in the cafe, all of that we do because we are committed to reaching lost people, to pointing people to Jesus. Core value number four, Christ followers use their gifts to serve our community and each other. Every, not just a few not just some of us, not just the person sitting next to you, every Christ follower, every person who has stepped across the line of faith and said to Jesus, I want to follow you, has been given a gift or certain talents and abilities from God, and He gave them to you with the expectation that you would use those gifts and abilities to serve other people and to serve our community. And one of our core values around here is encouraging people to discover their giftedness to discover their abilities and their talents and to find a place here at cross point where they can serve each other and a place where they can serve in our community serving our community is a huge thing to us because we believe for too long the church sort of became disengaged from the community the church at large kind of just withdrew and did their own thing and we look at what the Bible teaches and say, you know, well, that's not what God intended. God intended that we be very engaged in our community and serving people. That's why in a couple of weeks we'll uh, do an event we call Family Fest. It'll be our third or fourth time that we've done this big event for our community. It's a, it's a large festival-type uh, program. And it comes at a great time this year because everything for people that come is absolutely free. The food, the, the games, everything is free. And it's our way to say to the community, one of our ways, Hey, we care about you. We want simply just to serve you. That's why we have committed ourselves to angel food. And as we have watched this ministry grow, our staff has determined that this will be, for at least the time being, the primary way that Crosspoint serves our community. Not that we're going to not do anything else, but this is going to receive a lot of emphasis around here because we're watching how angel food is touching family after family after family. And so we've determined nearly every uh, month on Saturdays when we distribute food once a month that we're going to make an event out of that to say to them, we really care about you. We're not just here just to pass out food, but we're here to care about you and what else is going on in your life. The next core value, core value uh, number five, God desires an intimate, growing relationship with each of us. When, when we determine that we're going to follow Christ, that's not the end. That's the beginning. And God doesn't desire this far-off relationship with us. He desires an intimate, growing relationship. And that happens when we do the things necessary in our lives, like reading the Bible and praying and serving, that we spiritually nourish ourselves. We uh, used to have this uh, plant in our office. 
It was a very needy plant. It required a tremendous amount of attention. It was worse than having a child. And uh, it, it just seemed like it needed water all the time and just the right amount of sunlight. And uh, we did our best to care for that thing over time. But recently, unfortunately, we had to lay it to rest. And we gathered around. No, we didn't do that. We carried it out to the dumpster and threw it away. But um, it required a lot of attention. God has wired us up as people that we need a lot of spiritual nourishment. In fact, we need more spiritual nourishment than you can get just by coming here on Sunday mornings. And we need more spiritual nourishment than you get just by going to a life group. The picture that the Bible paints is that the church, we at Cross Point, are not the sole providers of your spiritual nourishment, but that that responsibility falls on each of us to nourish ourselves. You know, if you're children, you expect to feed them when they're little babies, don't you? But if they're still having to be fed when they're 15, there's a problem, isn't there? Same is true spiritually. We expect to feed people and to help them get the tools to grow in their relationship with Christ when they first step across that line of faith. But as time goes along, the expectation would be they would begin to, to, to feed themselves. They begin to, to read and to study and to pray and to do the things that are necessary to grow in a relationship with God. Core value number six, God's grace is extended freely. God's grace is extended freely. I wanted to remind you what Paul has to say about God's grace and the impact that it's had in many of our lives. He says this in the Bible, in the book of Ephesians. He writes, it wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose His temper and do away with a whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, He embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all of this on His own with no help from us. At Crosspoint, we are all about extending grace to people, no matter how messed up their lives may be. And we expect people to come here with messed up lives. And when, we, when they come, we expect that they will encounter love, not judgment. That they will experience a desire to help, not exclusion. And we understand that the process of cleaning up messy lives is a long process. That it doesn't just happen overnight. And that's okay. And we understand that as we get involved in people with messy lives, that sometimes it will be messy itself. And that's okay. Because we've already seen how God can take something that seems really messy and turn it into something that is beautiful. And the effort that is involved in that process is always worth it. We want this to be a place where people experience grace. Finally, core value number seven. We follow a big God. The same God that created the universe. The same God that parted the Red Sea. The God that 
cause blind people to see and lame people to walk, the God who has healed broken hearts, that same God is still at work today and is the same powerful, big God. And we don't ever want to underestimate His ability and His power to work in our lives today. You know what God is often waiting for us for to work and to do something? He's waiting for us to ask. He's waiting for us to pray and ask God to use His power to work in our lives. I wouldn't say that we have undervalued prayer at Crosspoint, but maybe in recent months we have not given it the, the attention or the use that it should have had. And I want to tell you, I want us to be committed in the coming weeks and months that we will value prayer. We will ask God to do some big things in our lives and some big things in our church because He is a big God capable of doing big things. You know, we have some people uh, who are down here to pray with you after the services. And I want to encourage you that when the, when the last song is sung or the last thing on the stage is done, that's not the end of the service. That's simply the beginning of a time where there are people available to pray for you. And whether you have something going on in your life that you think is so insignificant or something so overwhelming, I want to encourage you, why wouldn't you come and let these people pray for you? and Let them ask God to bring the healing that you need or the direction that you need in your life. We have some uh, people who gather at 9.15 on Sunday mornings out in the courtyard to pray for Crosspoint and for Crosspoint people. But quite honestly, most weeks there's only two or three people out there. And I look at that and think, why such a small group? Shouldn't there be a lot more of us who would take the time together and to ask God to do big things in the lives of Crosspoint people? There are a couple of us that gather on Tuesday mornings at 7 o'clock at the Crosspoint office not to have a long discussion or not to take a bunch of prayer requests, but just to pray for our community. And I wish more people would show up on Tuesdays at 7 and join us in praying and asking God to do something big in our community. Our God is a big God. And I believe He still wants to do big things, but often He's just waiting for us to ask with humility. Clear eyes, full hearts, fully devoted to God. I believe that could be and should be the rallying point of our church. That we would see people the way God sees them. That our hearts would be full of love and compassion for them. And that we would be completely and fully devoted and committed to following God and no one else. And I believe our seven core values can help that to be true. I am as committed as ever to being the kind of church that God wants us to be. And I am as committed as ever to living out these seven core values in my life and in our church. My question for you, I guess, this morning is, are you with me? Are we committed as a church to living these things out and being everything? that God wants us to be. Let's pray. God, I thank You that You are an incredibly big God. And God, I ask You to do big things in our lives and at Crosspoint. And God, I pray that You begin by working in our hearts and in our minds
to help us to have clear eyes and full hearts and, God, to be fully devoted and committed to You. God, would You help us to make a difference in this community and this region. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.